Welcome to ARM Presents Fireside Chats, panel discussions looking at the business potential of technology. In today's podcast, we're focusing on the $6 trillion importance of security. While digital transformation is opening the doors to new business models around the world, it's also leading to new threats. By 2021, there will be trillions of dollars of cybercrime losses along with damage to company reputations. In this fireside chat, join PSA certified and cyber insurance experts, Munich Reed, to discuss risk modeling, liability, and security solutions to future-proof your products and platforms. Today's moderator is Anurag Gupta from PSA Certified. Hello, everyone. I'm Anurag Gupta, Director of Business Development for IoT Security within Architecture and Technology Group at ARM, working with original equipment manufacturers and their ecosystem to raise the bar of security within their products based on secure design principles. In this fire chat, we will discuss the relationship between device security deploying at scale and delivering assurance. We will also discuss in what ways the new hyper-connected value chains impact the risk portfolio and risk capital, along with how the responsibility and liability for failure be defined and managed in these complex value chains. For this today, we have three amazing panelists with us. Peter Armstrong, the senior cyber subject matter expert with Munich Re, David Meadman, who is the director of Secure Devices Ecosystem within Architecture and Technology Group at ARM. Duncan Jones is Senior Product Manager, Pelion IoT Platform with ARM. I would start by saying that as leaders in the technology field that stimulate the connected or IoT revolution, we have to consider how we are going to help to equip the client world to understand the complexity of managing devices at scale with surety, security, confidence and assurance. So with this, Peter, from an insurer point of view, could you walk us through how you see the current dramatic changes or hyper-connected devices are impacting the insurance risk world along with critical challenges? Secondly, what innovation opportunities do these challenges bring to the insurer? Sure, Anurag, and uh, thank you for the introduction. Um, Digital transformation, as we might uh, call it, has spawned loads of new devices, new levels of connectivity, new companies even, and certainly many new value propositions. These new and in some cases hyper-connected value chains are already hugely significant uh, and in turn are changing significantly the risk profile of our client's risk portfolio. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's take big oil. Digitization of remote operations management and remote condition monitoring of processes uh, and the equipment that uh, enables that has transformed long-established cost and investment models in exploratory drilling, for example. So um, if we think about the relative levels of cost of um, these uh, activities, historically they have run into hundreds of millions with uh, time spans approaching two years. The levels of efficiency and recovery of cost and time as a consequence of digitization are tremendous, meaning that the real benefits of digitization um, 
have associated levels of risk that are much greater than in uh, historical um, processes. This means that the portfolio of risk has changed dramatically. And an insurer needs to be able to quantify the risk and understand the quality of that risk in order to be able to underwrite it. Uh, understanding the roles and responsibility of multi-party disaggregated information supply chains. That's a mouthful, but what it means is many organizations involved in the processes providing services, microservices, information devices in that value chain impact upon the delivery of the value to the client. And understanding that is our task. For clients themselves, risk managers need to understand the expectations that they have of partners, both up and down the value chains that are already here. And insurers will need to be able to break down liability in these value chains in order to ensure both visibility of the quality of the risk and also to be able to disaggregate the liability responsibility to reflect the complex mix of service providers, original equipment manufacturers, OEMs, and so on, that are involved in delivering the services in the value chain. Now, that's not a trivial task, and it means we'll need the risk equivalent of trusted components in a value process. Why? Well, imagine a process stack adjacent to an open systems interconnection, an OSI stack, where processes are getting richer as the levels of aggregated information increase vertically in the process stack. These risk equivalent trusted components will need to be built upon roots of trust at all levels in this process stack. And these components will need to embrace trusted devices, the protocols associated with or roots of trust that enable the trusted deployment of these new technologies. Oh. This innovation and challenge also creates opportunity for innovations. And to your second point, Anurag, um, we have the opportunity of being able to generate warranties for product, process, equipment, uh, equipment performance, and so on. We can ensure product recall. And of course, the task of cyber risk quantification and routes of trust compliance and certification. I think bringing these themes together for sure, viewing risk and liability from a client's perspective as they seek to establish hyper-connected value chains will need to become a standard approach to reviewing the viability and relevance of technology deployment. Thanks, Peter. Interesting view on the qualification and quantification of the risk. David, if we think about IoT devices, how would you say that they are evolving and what are the major trends you see today? Also, whether an OEM or product manufacturer need to think differently now while building a product. Yeah, thanks, Anurag, and um, thanks also for the intro. I think it's fascinating actually listening to, to, to what Peter's talking about. And, and what we, I guess as an industry, what we rarely do is think about the sort of the spanning all the way from the product. You know, we, we talk about an OEM, so an OEM is, you know, original equipment manufacturer. So they're the guys that make, you know, physical products that you actually put into service. Now, you know, in the electronics industry, we think about product a lot, but actually with, with the Internet of Things and with digital transformation, the product actually drives the acquisition of data. 
which is then used to deliver new services or new efficiencies into multiple industries. So that link between product and service is something that, you know, from a digital transformation and IoT point of view, I think as an industry, we need to think about a lot more, um, particularly as the electronics industry, where we're building the physical devices that are being deployed in the field. Um, digital transformation, as Peter was talking about, it spans across all markets, actually. So, you know, you can think about industrial, transport, logistics, building, you know, it's all about scale. Um, it's all about deploying, you know, an order of magnitude, large number of devices that can then create these new services and efficiencies as as companies and, and entire industries go through digital transformation. So that's a massive deployment of devices. And, you know, I think Duncan's going to expand on that, you know, a little bit later on in, in the podcast. I think it's a massive deployment of devices. It actually goes beyond the traditional IT model where you're, you know, with traditional IT, you're deploying in a, in a somewhat managed environment. You have a relationship with the device. I think with IoT, you know, you have a massive scale of deployment. You have a, a huge number of devices that require, you know, installation, probably with zero touch. Um, they need to be able to connect and that connection goes beyond what you see in traditional broadband and cellular networks today. Um, which is where we see technologies such as 5G coming in to, to, you know, allow a massive number of devices to connect. Once you've connected all those devices, you need to make sense of all that data and turn it into a valuable service. And that's where we see technologies such as artificial intelligence coming. So, you know, you kind of see this themes really being driven from, from what the electronics industry is delivering, where, you know, an individual product has to be trusted and peter spoke you know very well around you know the the fact that it needs a a route of trust and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um in due course but but effectively you know you're establishing a chain of trust all the way from the device its acquisition of the data and you know all the way through to the service so you know effectively if you if you trust the device you trust the data um and you're establishing that chain of trust. And, and I think that's essential, you know, particularly back to the insurance world where, you know, at the, at the end, you have business critical services that are being delivered. So establishing that chain of trust is what it's all about. Duncan, and David was talking about scale and assurance. So now thinking from the deployment perspective, how does this opportunity get realized? Thanks, Anurag. So... I mean, Peter and David both spoke about roots of trust, um, and and I'd just like to second that as an important topic because obviously, if we can't trust the data that we're getting from devices, we will never realise the full value of IoT. However, in my experience, customers that we speak to, they want to focus on building their business applications. So, so Peter already gave the you know the analogy of the OSI stack. Um, I think that's a that's a good analogy. Our customers, for example, they want to be very high up the stack. You know, they understand their end domain, whether it's wind turbines or waste disposal, but they don't necessarily understand public key infrastructure particularly well or down at the chip level knowing what trust zone is or how to protect routes of trust. And unfortunately, as we scale the number of IoT solutions and the number of devices in those solutions, um, 
we can't necessarily scale the uh, the expertise needed to secure those those solutions. And so because of this, I think device management platforms are now recognized as a necessary part of any sizable IoT solution. And this is this is ultimately how we can realize this opportunity. It's to let the different parties do what they do best. So our customers understand their business and they know what they need to achieve. And we need to enable them to do that. And device management vendors such as Arm um, can focus on keeping the, the solution secure. I think that's the way that we actually make this happen. So now we understand the opportunities and challenges ahead of us through digital transformation, both from insurer and device manufacturer point of view, and more importantly, when we deploy at scale. So let's discuss and look into some of the specifics around delivering assurance. So Peter, could you perhaps explain the role you see for insurers to help address some of the challenges you spoke about, specifically the intersection of technology and business assurance? What should be they doing more in your view, both from direct insurance as well as reinsurance? Sure. Um, some important points from uh, David and Duncan uh, earlier, but uh, before really answering this question, we need to have a, a semblance of understanding of the insurance market. Uh, an insurance market, for example, like the one for cyber insurance, depends upon the availability of capital. Uh, and capital availability depends upon trust and uh, believability of risk. Um, there are two types of insurance. There's direct insurance and reinsurance. Direct insurance is typified by uh, Chubb writing and underwriting a risk either with a client or with you as an individual for your motor car. And reinsurance is the means by which Chubb spreads their risk across a broader insurance market. So they will sell buckets of like risk, so loads of cyber risk for retailers or loads of car insurance for homeowners and so on, to a reinsurer who will then retain some of that risk and then in turn spread that risk to alternative sources of capital. What we mean by that uh, is just other sources of capital other than uh, insurance uh, capital. Now, direct insurance and the ability to write uh, premiums uh, is wholly dependent upon their ability to spread their risk to reinsurers. And reinsurers require a level of confidence in understanding the worst case uh, scenario. Um, and that's not straightforward for something like uh, cyber insurance. And in order to attract other sources of capital, they have to be able not only to persuade themselves, but uh, others. Uh, and knowing what the worst case scenario is for a cyber risk is really hard because of the almost infinite variability at the front end of the risk. Um, if we can't quantify cyber risk in a meaningful way, then there isn't going to be enough capital available. And I'll draw a comparison here. Uh, political violence and terrorism 
10 years ago, you couldn't get capital to provide insurance until someone came up with the idea that the worst case scenario was probably a dirty bomb uh, on London and a dirty bomb on Wall Street at the same time. Uh, whilst the damage that that causes is a big number, you can quantify it and as a consequence, billions of dollars of capital became available. It's really hard to do that for cyber risk. Um, and in the context of these new value chains, the hyperconnectivity makes it all harder to quantify uh, because the massive disaggregation of technology down to embedded cert devices that are enabling these value chains means it's really difficult to get sight of all of the different aggregation factors. That means capital is somewhat constrained and only those organizations who can point to surety and confidence in the embedded processes and devices, going back to that OSI comparison uh, process stack, will be able to attract capital at a meaningfully and affordable uh, quantity and, and price. This means that we do need to be able to model and quantify the risk and it means that we need to try to minimize the front-end risk variables that I have to deal with in order to quantify and qualify a risk. And that means, as I said earlier, we need the risk equivalent of trusted components to be built upon the roots of trust to make this sufficiently transparent to be a viable uh, outcome. Without it, we won't be able to identify the breakdown of liability in these value chains and we won't be able to offer the insurance capital uh, that is necessary. Uh, the implications of that for the uh, technology industry is that it will slow down deployment and adoption and there'll be a level of uncertainty around the new value propositions that IoT uh, seeks to enable. Duncan, we heard uh, David saying that in order to make some business decisions, we need to trust the data and that data need to come from trusted devices. So with that, we see that scaling is central to enable the digital transformation agenda. Can you share some of the challenges you see with that? Sure. Um, I mean, it, there's a lot of complexity when you get into a real world IoT deployment. I mean, it tends to be, uh, you know, to start with, quite a mix of devices that you have to work with. I, I mean that both in terms of, you know, their size and capability and, and, and the type of them, but also, you know, whether they're brand new devices that are being built for this solution or whether they are legacy devices that are being kind of embraced in some kind of, you know, digital transformation process. When you deal with legacy devices, you have to think about how you are going to integrate them, you know, and that often means thinking about how you can translate their existing protocols, you know, at kind of at the low level into something that can work with your solutions and ultimately, you know, connect to the internet securely. And when you when you try and do this stuff at scale, obviously all these problems are magnified. Um, and yet, you know, our customers at least expect or, or, or are looking for a single pane of glass to manage this through. So really they need an abstraction layer that hides away all the complexities of managing devices. And of course, we keep coming back to this idea of trust in data and our customers need confidence that their devices are running the software they expect, that they are operating correctly as well. 
Um, so they can be sure that the data they're getting is, is something they can base business decisions on. And that brings a lot of security and health monitoring requirements. And that's just some of the stuff that a, a device management platform must, must deliver. Okay. Thanks, Duncan. Let's move the discussion towards another interesting aspect that is regulation and standards in this space. Also look, does it help or hinder? So David, are you seeing any specific device level regulation that manufacturers are needing to comply with? Also, could you provide a view on liability from OEMs and service provider perspective? Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think um, I think Peter's being really polite. Actually, I'm surprised he's not bashing the desk and and shouting at you know Duncan and I on behalf of the electronics industry. I think, you know, we. We, as in the electronics industry, need to drive best practice, and um, you know, in, in part, we will do that through self-organisation. Um, and we have initiatives such as PSA certified, which um, you know, Arm is a co-founder of, and and we're working, um, you know, across the electronics industry to drive best practice. But also, as you rightly pointed out, you know, governments are waking up to this as well um, through regulation and and standardisation, um, and. I think that until that comes together, you know, you're kind of in this chicken and egg scenario where the electronics industry delivers devices that have an unquantifiable risk. You know, we hear these examples of, you know, security cameras getting hacked, they're shipped with default passwords, they don't have a root of trust, you know, so on and so forth. Um, you know, as an industry, we need to do better in solving those problems because until we do that, you don't enable those services at scale that Peter can come and underwrite. And that's, that's, critical in breaking this chicken and egg cycle of you know valuing security and i think understanding the liability in the value chain at each point and it's a scary word liability and none of us like it i think you know responsibility is perhaps a better word um and the the ability for the electronics industry in particular you know if you look at the chip market so the chip guys building in you know silicon that's capable of having a root of trust the OEMs building devices to support that and build in best practice. And then we see, you know, regulations kind of coming along, um, trying to drive at least a minimum level of best practice. So, you know, we see, for example, NIST in the, in the US, 8259, um, and California state law as well, driving, you know, kind of certain regulations around um, IoT. Um, in Europe, you know, there's Etsy 303645, um, you know, these are complicated documents and, and the electronics industry has to be able to track those, understand them and, and also, you know, ship at scale, but conform locally. You know, these regulations often are, are targeted to particular territories. So that's another challenge we face is how do you show compliance, have an audit trail of compliance, drive best practice um, in order to satisfy, you know, Peter's risk modeling um, for the deployment at scale. So Peter, as David was talking about various geographical regulations like HC, NIST, DCMS, and State California law, along with industry-specific regulations like IEC 62443. So do you see and agree that governments are making moves to increase regulation, and is that helping or hindering? Any markets in particular you see being regulated? Yeah, so it, it, it's perhaps surprising, but in some ways... Um, the insurance sector is a follower 
in relation to regulation rather than a leader and driver and shaping uh, the regulatory, uh, the regulatory uh, involvement. Um, I wanted to reflect on uh, um, uh, on David's observation about uh, uh, maybe responsibility being a, a better word for liability. Um, in the insurance world, that's a nuance that we won't um, uh, embrace readily. For us, responsibility all too straightforwardly means liability. And uh, the regulatory uh, environment um, needs to provide the framework and the infrastructure within which we uh, can apply that uh, rather uh, black and white view of, uh, of responsibility. Uh, there are clearly geographical variations in terms of legislation and that makes it problematic for an insurer. Um, you know, how can you take a coherent view of liability if the regulatory environment uh, in different jurisdictions is different? And the answer is, it's hard. You've got to try and be flexible and reflect those, uh, those geographical um, uh, differences. So in uh, Europe, uh, we would see GDPR as yesterday's news, whereas in South Africa, uh, we're seeing the enactment of POPI, which is the uh, protection of personal information um, being deployed with uh, a mandated compliance in a year's time. So there's a, there's a variability of regulations that uh, impact upon our assessments here. But by and large, insurance reacts quickly to mandate. So if there is something that is mandated, um, and that's why I support absolutely what David has said, that the initiatives like PSA certified are key, as is the integration of those initiatives with government imperatives, because that's how we get the opportunity of being able to measure and judge compliance against uh, a mandated uh, view. Sadly, however, the real world is that there's nuance, there's guidance, uh, and that's much more difficult for an insurer to respond to. It's much more difficult to point the finger. Uh, and the defined route of trust protocols that talk uh, to nuanced issues can provide confidence for and an easy win for insurers. Uh, it can speed up uh, uh, adoption and deployment of the new technologies because we can offer warranties to back those technologies. So in essence, it's important for the uh, technology uh, environment to uh, lead and continue to embrace um, the requirement for compliance uh, in this evolving uh, environment. And um, sad but true, insurance is a follower, not a leader here. Uh, but the leadership of the technology environment um, for sure is a help, not a hindrance. Yeah. So we are nearly at the end of today's session. So starting with you, Peter, what would you say to the companies looking to deploy digital transformation technology and how to limit their liability exposure? So I think the overriding issue is that the availability of uh, risk capital is going to be a critical issue uh, in technology-driven uh, cyber risk. And it's going to demand real enterprise risk management competence within uh, client organizations and the supply chain. Without it, companies' valuations will be affected, cost and availability of risk capital will be uh, affected. Um, and this matters because 
uh, as the hyperconnected value chains evolve, the interdependence of the well-being of the organizations in those value chains is much more interdependent upon the surety and the confidence of the quality of performance of organizations within those uh, value chains. So understanding multiple routes of trust allows insurers to break down liability into bite-sized chunks so that meaningfully we can get to a place where we can understand where segmented liability uh, resides. Root of trust protocols are critical to this in this complex environment. Fully agree with Peter that availability of risk capital is going to be a critical issue. So David, as the device landscape is moving fast and is very complex, what advice would you offer and how PSS certified can help the insurers to assess the fitness for purpose consistently at pace and on real time? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'd encourage everybody that's listening to the podcast to have a look at PSACertified.org. Um, that'll give you all the information around PSA certified. So it's a it's an industry security assurance scheme for IoT. Arm is a co-founder along with four of the leading uh, security labs. So CAICT, Riskier, UL and Brightsight. Um, PSA certified is based on 10 security goals. So it drives best practice across the industry, you know, areas such as having a route of trust, having secure storage, having secure updates. Um, and crucially, to the point that we've been discussing, it, it maps to the emerging regulatory landscape and it gives an audit trail of compliance based on the certified products. So insurers like Peter can look at PSACertified.org and see a registry of certified devices, which is which is obviously very powerful. Thanks, David, for helping us to understand that PSS certified will lead to establish the chain of trust. Duncan, maybe you can give your last advice to the listeners, maybe just in one line. Absolutely. I, I would return to my previous comment about doing what you do best. So I would encourage the companies listening to turn to device management vendors like Arm who build on certification schemes like PSA and solve many of these deployment issues for them and they can focus then on delivering their business value and getting to market faster. Thanks. With this, I would like to thank everyone for attending and listening to this Fireside Chat. Thanks for listening to ARM Presents Fireside Chat. ARM's technology is at the heart of computing and connectivity. Their advanced, energy-efficient processor designs have enabled intelligent computing in more than 150 billion chips. You most probably have ARM tech in your smartphone and increasingly it's in the world's most powerful supercomputers. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you could leave a five-star rating and tell a friend. For more information on ARM, visit ARM.com. <laughs>